1: This is Pete Becky, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. We have panelists today starting from my right Steve Wilson, who is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is an author, he's a computer game programmer. We have Mick Wells with us. Mick is the president of Wells of Salvation Ministries. He has uh, been for a long time now the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. We have kind of a special guest with us. She's been here for the last two episodes. She's with us again today, Melody Morris from Faith and Friends Radio. She has been the past Executive Director of Christian Family Network and of Operations for Citizens for Community Values amongst uh, several other important positions. Vicki Cundiff is with us. Vicki is one of the Associate Pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. And I'm reminded of So many of the programs that I have heard Dr. James Dobson do when he is holding a discussion amongst many people, he says, we just ran out of time, so we're just going to keep the microphones on and keep going. This is going to be our third episode on this topic having to do with a very, very important issue, especially in our day and time, and that issue is abortion. And we are going to continue with this topic because it's so important. And I don't think that we have done another topic that has taken three episodes before, but I guess there's a first time for about anything. And Mick has been leading our discussions thus far, and why stop a good thing? Mick, I'll let you go ahead and just take it from here. Okay,
2: thanks, Pete. And it is a privilege to be able to share with our listeners uh, what we believe is God's perspective on abortion, to talk uh, in some troubling detail, actually, about uh, what it's done in our society. Um, I'd like to draw our attention as we start this program to what the Bible says about this, because if I develop a position on anything, and I think I speak for all of us here, we want it to be consistent with the values that God has, uh, His views, his, His direction. Uh, we know he's a god of love and uh apart from that we we want to share with you some scriptures to start our our program and pete i'm going to ask you to open it up with a couple verses that i ask you to read from john chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god
1: he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made.
2: Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now what that tells me is uh, God is our creator. Uh, There's nothing you can see and certainly no life that you see around you that wasn't made through God. So if you look at it that way, unborn children are a gift from God. I mean, without God, they wouldn't be there. And I've often wondered, you know, if, if God sees to it that a child is conceived, then who are we to, to, to take it away? I mean, it, it's a human being. This verse has also given me a great appreciation for not only life. I've, in recent years, got a greater appreciation for all life, I can see an insect land on my arm, and I just wonder how in the world did God dream that up? How did he? I mean, even mosquitoes. You know, is that heresy? Even mosquitoes. But it's just amazing what God does. But He was the Word that was made flesh. He was there in the beginning, and as Pete said, all things were made through Him. Well, I didn't say that. The Scripture said that. Well, you repeated <laughs> just, it very I, nicely. I just read it. That's there. Right. You go. Um, Vicki, would you share with us another scripture, Psalm 139, verses 14 to 16?
3: I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be.
2: Okay, thanks, Vicky. Now, that scripture describes the actual forming of the life, the human being, and uh, uses some interesting language. What do you think is meant by the secret place there? You think that's the womb?
0: I think it's the unseen. You know, ultrasound today. And 3D ultrasound, even 4D, where you can see so clearly the development of the baby. It is literally the window to the womb. And so the unseen place is uh, the secret place. The technology didn't exist, but they knew that they knew that that was life.
2: And you know, the scripture says, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, that might puzzle some people. What do you think of that one?
4: That would be humans being made from the dust of the earth, so uh, that's, that's the flesh.
2: Like Adam, clearly in, in Genesis, Adam was made from the dust of the earth, so uh, from, the fle- from the flesh, inside human beings made yeah, the, from... Yeah, the
4: depths of the earth would be the, the depth of the woman.
2: And the end of this uh, passage that Vicky read, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, clearly God, in, he doesn't make us just for frivolous reasons or for his own amusement. He has a plan for human beings. Even when, they're, even when they're unborn, those plans were in place.
3: And you know, Mick, the most wonderful thing is that plan to have a relationship with him.
2: That's the most important, and uh, it it still is just amazing for me what the world's done to God's creation uh, in terms of mankind, how God still had the love to come here and die for people that didn't appreciate him, that actually hated him, and ultimately killed his son that he sent to sacrifice. It's it's just mind-boggling when you when you dwell on it. Another verse or set of verses uh, I've asked Steve to share, this is Jeremiah chapter one, verses four and five.
4: The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations.
2: And that kind of uh, reinforces what we were just talking about. This says, before I formed you in the womb. You know, when you were on the drawing boards in, in wherever, before, even before conception, that's how I read that. Even before I was in my mother's womb, uh, he's saying this to uh, to Jeremiah. Before Jeremiah was in, in the womb, God knew him and set him apart, had a specific purpose for him as a prophet, appointed him as a prophet to the nations. And if I take comfort in thinking that if God had that kind of plan for Jeremiah, he probably has one for me and for you and everybody in your family, your loved ones. Uh, For all of us, there is, is that great a love.
3: You know, just something that came to me in reading that, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you no one is a mistake no matter how someone was conceived no one is a mistake
2: no one is a mistake you know um, some people might say well there are birth defects and things like that but the fact that they were born the fact that they were conceived as a human being and and uh, god had a a plan for them there is no mistake Uh, when i was born I was told that I had an extra muscle in my lip and my nose. It's still a little crooked if you looked at it from the standpoint of the nostrils.
1: I don't know if they can see that on the radio.
2: (laughs) I don't know, but I can tell you this. This lady sitting here has known that I've been a freak my whole... You know,
1: maybe we ought to let people know that uh, you and Melody are brother and sister. I don't know that we ever mentioned that to
0: our listeners. If you haven't figured that out, you know it now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, um... But I agree, Vicki. No, there are no mistakes. I mean, well, I just
3: think that coming from the standpoint that some people might feel unwanted, like they weren't yeah. wanted when they were born, but no one is a mistake.
2: Absolutely, and uh, God makes beautiful things out of uh, things that we might consider flawed too. But in His, in His eyes, they're purposeful and they are not mistakes. Well. I wanted to share with you before we get into some uh, personal stories about uh, how abortion may have affected or impacted personal lives, I wanted to share with you something from what's known as the Didache. Now the Didache is spelled D-I-D-A-C-H-E. I've struggled with the pronunciation of that, thanks to Google I found out how it's pronounced. It's not didashi. it's Didache. And That set of teachings was developed in the first century by Christians for Christian worship, and it's entitled, The Lord's Teaching Through the Twelve Apostles to the Nations. Well, in chapter 2 of that uh, writing, the Didache, it reads as follows. You shall not murder a child by abortion nor kill that which is begotten." Now, a couple programs ago, you recall that we said that abortion, it's not a recent phenomenon, it actually goes back a long ways. Uh, And the Didache, recognizing that that was a possibility, instructed people not to abort children nor kill that which is begotten. And we know that it's God's intent as giver of life that he will make good things happen through uh, the lives that he has created.
1: And I know that God has created each one of the lives of each one of the people here and, and in the whole world, in fact. And uh, I know that, Mick, you want to get into a little bit here how the issue of abortion may have affected Those of us here on this panel and or people who we know or uh, family members other than that. And we're just a little bit early for our break, but I don't think that there's going to be a better time for us to take this break for our sponsor than right now. And then we'll come back and hear those stories once we come back from this break.
2: Welcome, you're listening to Reconciling Grace and our program is the third of three parts on the topic of abortion. We've been focusing on how God sees the topic or the issue. At this point in our program, I'd like to devote some time to having the panel members share stories of how abortion has impacted their lives or the lives of others. Some of this may be in specifics, some of it may be in generalities, but I think uh, we've all been uh, impacted by some, to some degree, by this topic. Um, Melody, I'll ask you to start. I know you were involved with uh, counseling outside of abortion clinics, and I'm sure you have something to share.
0: Well, I see the involvement in terms of counseling as a ministry of compassion. It's compassion for the woman. It is compassion for that child that exists in the womb. And so I have sidewalk counseled outside of abortion clinics, and I've also counseled inside of crisis pregnancy centers as as a director of of one such center. But I'd like to share just a couple of stories uh, because my firm belief is that in order to intervene on behalf of this child, you have to be able to put yourself in the shoes of of the woman who is considering or has made a decision for abortion, as in the case of you're that child's last hope, basically, if you're standing outside of an abortion clinic. And so while some people would stand with with signs um, indicating that abortions were going on in this business and educate the general public, I did not hold signs. I kept my pro-life literature with me. I had a testament with me. I kept extra Bibles with me to, and I gave them away. But if I could get a woman to stop and talk with me, my I only had a few seconds to be able to find out if she'd even give me a conversation because the clinic had a volunteer escort standing right outside saying, stay away from her, stay away from her, don't even listen to her. She She's not going to be any good for you. I'll protect you, literally. So um, I had just a few moments or seconds, really, to get this woman's attention. And I was standing in the rain when no one else. I was there with just one other person. And this woman came up to uh, get in to get an abortion. She came to the wrong door because this particular abortionist, literally his door was off the back alley. And so she came to the wrong door, which meant the escort wasn't out there, and it was raining. And I had the opportunity to share with her and talk with her. And she said, you know, if you care enough about my unborn child to stand out here in this driving rain after dark in the cold, then you've got something to say and something to share. And she canceled her appointment. Another woman was talked to by sidewalk counseling, and she turned away, and to make a long story short— I was not the sidewalk counselor in this case, but the sidewalk counselor followed her through her pregnancy and ended up adopting her child. Oh my. So it is a ministry of compassion. It's of giving of yourself to people you may never, ever see again. Then there was another young teenage girl who was being pressured into an abortion by her mother. You're going to abort that thing is the way she put it. And I had literature there that showed the fetal development. And I showed them, and the pictures were colorful, and the pictures were very, very precise and very accurate. It wasn't somebody's drawing. These were literal photographs of a baby in utero. And the more I turned the pages, the mother started softening. I could feel it, and she said, oh. By the time they left me, they were making plans to go baby shopping for items for that un- for <laughs> oh, her grandchild, and so these are just—I mean, it's—it's it's a ministry of compassion because I can tell you I took a lot of abuse standing out there. I had beer thrown on me, I had food thrown at me. I was literally physically assaulted. It isn't a pleasant calling, but if you can save a life, it is worth it because it is a heart of compassion.
2: Melody, I think you would agree that none of this is done without a lot of prayer and guidance of the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've spent a lot of time in prayer outside of the abortion business, and there were people who were not paid staff. Maybe they were paid People to Badger. But literally, while I'd be in prayer, they'd be coming and dancing around me and chanting and yelling at me and getting right up in my face and like they were going to spit on me, trying to interrupt my prayers. And um, it's just something that you have to know that the Holy Spirit is with you, and you've got His hedge of protection around you.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Steve, you had something to share with us.
4: Yeah, they're... You know, we talk about abortion, uh, I think sometimes as Christians we think, oh, people have abortions or, or support that, uh, you know, they're evil, they're, they're wrong. Um, and I have a story about a, a girl when I was in high school uh, who, yeah, I pretty much thought this girl was evil. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, students in my school who would make fun of Christians, but she was one. Uh, she spit on me because I was a Christian. And uh, at the time, I was on uh, what we called the prevention team. It was, uh, it was from a uh, crisis pregnancy center. We would go around, we would talk to health classes and home ec classes, and we would talk about STDs, we would talk about uh, the virtues of abstinence, we would talk about abortion. And uh, so one time we came to my own school and I was on the, uh, the team that day, and we went into this home ec class, and there was that girl. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to hear about this afterward. But went on with our presentation, and my presentation that day was on the abortion topic. So I stood up, and uh, I had a, a little model with a removable baby, and I talked about how uh, in that time the primary form of abortion was kind of a vacuum suction method where, and and, you know, I kind of held this model up, and I said, this is what happens. I described it, and uh, as I took that baby out of that model womb, this girl started crying and ran out of the room. And I thought, I bet she's had an abortion. And I bet she regrets it. And I bet there are a lot of girls who go for abortions who don't really want to do it but they get themselves in a bad situation and they can't see a good way out of it. And so they get stuck, they get pressured. Uh, and then, you know, it's one thing for us to say, don't do it, but then the next step is, okay, after you've done it, how do we handle it?
2: Sure. And that's a, that's an important part of how we want to later close our program to talk about how God can uh, watch over and heal Uh, the distress and uh, the anguish that have been caused through uh, trauma associated with the process.
1: I don't have anything quite as dramatic as far as realizing that somebody had had an abortion. I do know, and I'm going to try to keep this somewhat vague just because I I don't want uh, people to think I'm talking about them specifically, but these are true situations that have happened. I remember as a probably teenager um, how surprised I was when my mother told me about um, somebody who she knew had had several abortions. And that was really the first time I'd ever even thought about the fact that uh, I might know somebody who's had this done. Um, I have known of people who have had abortions um, because of reasons of health of the child, uh, because of reasons of they have said that their own lives would have been in jeopardy. Um, which is a little bit different than the things that, that Melody talked about before when we were talking in a previous episode about just the the health, meaning it could be the mental health or it could be emotional. But they were literally saying that their own lives were in danger. And one of the things that I have heard brought up is, for instance, the tubal pregnancy. Um, that's things that happen. I have heard of those people, but I've, I've always heard of them afterwards. And... Um, Kind of along the lines of what Steve was sharing, um, when you hear about it afterwards, and Mick, how you said you wanted to end the program, or at least get to this before we end the program today, is the fact that God does heal and forgive. But before we get to that, I do want to share, kind of along the lines of some of the stories that Melody just told, um, I do know of one particular situation where there was um, a person who was A high school student and found out that she was pregnant, even had the appointment to go have the abortion, which the um, father of the child was all too ready to support that uh, that decision. And I'm not going to get into all the where's and why for's, but that person decided not to have the abortion. And um, all I can say is the child was born, the child has been loved, the child has had children of of their own, and um, a lot of new lives have come into the world because the person decided not to have that abortion.
2: You know, I'm aware, too, uh, my wife worked in a volunteer work for a crisis pregnancy center years ago, and had a similar experience where a young lady came in, was being pressured by her own mother to have an abortion. And through whatever counseling and prayer, uh, the lady had a change of heart. It really upset the, the mother to the point of almost a threatening of violence. They just didn't want their daughter to go through this uh, and, give, and give birth. But the lady did change her mind. And you know it was it was amazing what God did almost instantly upon the birth of that child. the grandmother, who had been so opposed to having the baby, just fell in love with the baby, and the baby grew up to be a wonderful young man, uh, he's in college now, he's a very successful uh, individual, and he uh, has uh, excelled in his academics and in in the business world and uh and he's got a testimony for Jesus Christ, and uh, I think back, and that is, that is one example where I, I believe God made it very clear that he can make something beautiful out of a potentially bad situation. And then of course my own situation, um, my oldest son uh, was conceived when I was 38. And so it was kind of late in life, both for me and for my spouse. And through a series of tests, one called an alpha-fetal protein test, the result came back skewed, and we were counseled many times by a variety of medical practitioners of the advisability of having an abortion because the test suggested that he would come out with some Uh, abnormalities, whether it would, I don't know what it would have been, but we were counseled on abortion. We refused the amniocentesis, which carried a very small percentage of risk of aborting the baby uh, through the process of amniocentesis. Uh, We refused to uh, uh, entertain the idea. We said, if God wants, if this is the child God wants us to have, then I want that child. And when Mark, uh, my oldest, was born, he was given very high, APGAR scores. He weighed uh, a whopping nine pounds twelve ounces. Uh, he was born by cesarean section. I remember them taking him out of of my wife. They said, "It's a boy." It's a big boy. <laughs> and he's been, he has gone on to excel straight four point average in, in, in college. And as I speak, he is a pediatrician intern at a hospital in our state capitol. And so uh, I am glad that uh, God sometimes says otherwise when the medical practitioners preach gloom and doom. But you I want, know,
4: you know what I'm yeah. impressed with there, though, Mick, is even knowing or thinking that this child might have problems. You said I still want it. Because I still, the, I still value that life.
2: That's what God wanted for me to have, yeah. and I said, whatever, I'm going to thank God for the gift of this child's life. Yeah, absolutely, Amen. Want to share with you a few scriptures in closing here, Vicky would you share first john chapter one verse nine and this is for any of you out there that are still wrestling with this recognize that god cares for us
3: if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness
2: so anyone out there if you feel you've done something that god can't forgive or won't forgive recognize that all we have to do is draw near to him confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us. And he works all things together for good. Steve, this is a wonderful verse I've asked you to share. Romans chapter 8, verse 28.
4: And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose.
2: You know what that means? every experience you've had positive or negative god can work it to your good it doesn't mean he likes or sanctions abortion but he can cause all things together for work to work for good for his kingdom and in in your life well i tell you what we've
1: done basically three episodes on this topic we probably could do at least three more but i think we've said what really needed to be said there are a lot of things we could share, but we're running out of time. And Mick, I want to thank you for all your hard work um, of putting this all together. Three episodes worth, it ends up. Melody Morris, I'm glad for your participation in all of this. The expertise that you've had, the stories you've told, it's been great. Vicki Cundiff, glad to have you with us on our panel all the time and the sharing of the stories you've given. And Steve Wilson, just as much if not more so. This is Pete Vecchi, just about out of time. Lord willing, we'll see you next time for Reconciling Grace.
0: This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.